0: Hey, welcome back to Maximize Your Influence, Kurt Morrison here. This is episode 293, Creeping Towards 300, planning some big things, some big surprises, maybe some giveaways. We're going to have fun with that. Hopefully everyone is doing well. I am in grading week. You know, I teach a few university classes on public speaking and persuasion, got to do grades. Not my favorite thing to do, especially a soft skill, a little bit different than taking a biology test. So there's a little more heavy lifting there. And the fun thing for public speaking class, we bring in a heckler for the very last presentation of the year, a heckler from the National Heckling Federation, the NHF. Don't try to Google it, nobody can find it. It's a secret company. Anyway, but we do bring in a heckler because if you want to be a public speaker, a presenter, you want to be a persuader, you got to handle the heckler. That might be rude, annoying, usually clueless, but that is a key because if you get upset, if you get angry, if you throw jabs at the heckler, everything will go downhill from there. So maybe we'll do a podcast on how to handle the heckler. Let me know if that's what you want to hear. You can reach me at Kurt, K U R T, at com, And of course, the website's at MaximizeYourInfluence.com if you want to get the free best selling book, Maxim Influence take your Persuasion IQ test, check out the archives, everything is there, and also check out our advanced program at influenceuniversity.com. So let's get into it. We have a Persuasion Ninja today, a geeky article. We have listener email and some great content, some things that are keeping you back from being as successful as you want. So let's kick it off with the Persuasion Ninja. Go! Now, I don't know if you ever heard the name Lululemon, kind of a unique name. It's a clothing store and testimonial after testimonial. People say you need to go there, you have to get the pants. My son's tell me, people are telling me. And, you know, I'm a sweats kind of guy, especially kicking around the house. And Lululemon is pretty much workout clothes, but the workout clothes look like business clothes. They call them ABC pants. I'll let you look up what the ABC means. I <laughs> can't say it on the show. But these are pants that look, again, look like suit pants almost, or business casual pants that stretch like sweats. So people give me testimonials. Kurt, you got to wear these. You want to be comfortable. So my son drags me there as a birthday present to get these new pants, and hey man, I was impressed. It was well lit. The staff was friendly. We approached really fast. Not with the cheesy high lactose questions, how could I help you today? Truly really concerned, getting in, helping you, showing you the differences. Then they take the pants and they take you to the back to try them on, and they get your name, they write your name on the door. And we've talked a lot about using names and how names trigger a pleasure center in the brain and print it on the door. Everyone there seemed to have a vested interest. They didn't act like robots because they had to be there. A lot of people want to be there. In fact, the one guy I talked to worked as a bank manager during the week and just worked there on the weekend because they enjoyed the product, had fun. They were baking pancakes, and that didn't make sense at first, but a lot of athletic people, these were healthy pancakes people could use. And the way the pants are set up, they have to be hemmed, and so they took the measurements, and they they ship it out to you the next day. Done, done, and done. Very impressed. They get the Persuasion Ninja. No cheese factor, because I know clothing stores have a high cheese factor. How they approach you. Can I help you today? They really don't care. The cheesy, oh, you look great in that dress or those pants. These were people that cared. It was a great product. And I tell you, if you want bands to travel in, to wear to work, I know some doctors that will not wear anything else but these Lululemons. Very comfortable pants. And my first experience, first of it was the testimonials got me into the store, but hey, it was a great experience. Shout out to Lululemon and I'll probably be getting more pants there. If you have a persuasion ninja or blunder, let me know. Love to include those on the show. Now it's time for that treacherous, I don't know if that's a word we should use, the geeky article, go. This comes from Psychology Today and Peter McGraw, titled Stay Funny, My Friends. Now, we've heard a lot about humor. I talk a lot about humor and persuasion. There's a direct correlation between your ability to get someone to smile, to laugh, and your ability to persuade and your likability. There's no doubt about that. If you've seen Patch Adams, there's almost a healing factor to humor. A lot of the scientific circles thinking, well, that's not a serious topic, laughing at jokes. But on the persuasion side, it's huge. On the health side, it's huge. And so they took a deeper dive. And I think the interesting thing here is that scientific circles just don't care. It's not serious. But there's just been so many studies on the importance of humor and what it does in every aspect of life. Because these scientific circles are focusing on depression and anxiety and stress and because humor can help many of those things, but everyone's focused on the negative instead of the positive. And it's interesting, they talked about newborns, that laughter is one of the first things a newborn does. They laugh, they giggle, and of course the whole room giggles when a baby giggles. That's the power of humor. And they talked about history of humor, how it's kind of a social signal that we assume, and I know you shouldn't do that, that funny people are more intelligent and more friendly than the average people. We already have enough people in our life that suck the life out of us, that make us frown, that are so pessimistic, and I don't need to keep going, but there's so many benefits here. I mentioned the persuasion side, the likability, people usually to persuade is key. They talk about the physiological well-being, increases our circulation, helps our lungs and our muscles, helps us deal with emotional pain and embarrassment, so there's the physical side and the emotional side and the persuasion side. We have those that are comedians that use humor to make us feel that someone understands our daily frustrations and angers and it lightens our mood. And we've talked about mood and persuasion. The better the mood, the better you're treated, the easier it is for you to persuade people. And of course, there's the healing power. There's no downside to humor. Well, I guess there could be a downside if it wasn't relevant, that it was offensive or went too long. But humor can be added to every aspect of your life. It changes everything from physical to emotional to persuasion. This is a critical thing. And we know this, but it's always good to remind us to laugh a little, smile, watch something that's funny. Get a joke of the day in your email. Ask a kid in elementary school. They'll tell you a joke. It'll be corny, but you'll smile. You'll laugh. Just laugh a little more. Smile a little more. It'll help every aspect of your life, and it'll make you more persuasive. You should be creating a joke list. Jokes you can just use when you need them. In fact, let me go to my joke list here. Let me tell you a few that I just put on the list. (laughs) This one was told to me. I do not claim them. What did the janitor say when he came out of the closet? He said, supplies. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) I thought it was funny. Or when I'm talking about personal development and potential and reaching that potential, there's a fun joke where this guy was a drunk homeless person and you know, you'd picture him with his hair all over the place not wearing nice clothes and he passed away he was a drunk his whole life and as he passed away he made his transition to the pearly gates and god's all hey whoa you had so much potential what was going on you were supposed to be a monk and, and he said oh i thought you said drunk <laughs> corny weird strange a couple got a little smile at you Humor is huge and something that anybody can do to increase their health, to be more emotionally balanced, and to be more persuasive. And we have a listener email, which will also dictate our content for the day. This is Bob from Reno, Nevada. Love the podcast, learning new tools every week. I especially like your series on persuasive presentations. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. Says, Kurt, you're always mentioning self persuasion. I know that's my biggest issue. What does the research show on self persuasion? I want more motivation. What can I do? Please help. Well, Bob uh, moved from Reno. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Some people love the desert if that's your thing. Maybe you want to stay there, but that's true. We've all had days where you didn't feel like doing the things you know you need to do. And how you're on the inside is how you react on the outside. If you can't persuade yourself, you can't persuade other people. I've said that time and time again. So let's address that mindset, that self-persuasion. Let's talk about the brakes of success, like the brakes on a car. A lot of people are driving around in first gear with the emergency brake on, wondering what's taking so long because there are things in their life that's impeding them from picking up that speed that's holding them back. Let's talk about those few of those things that could... Be helpful to you. And of course, Bob, for using your email on the show, you get access to InfluenceUniversity.com. We will send you the information on that. So what are these breaks to success? Well, the big one is going to be fear, which is magnified doubt. I love George Adir's quote. says, everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. And so where do these fears come from? Society from your own imagination, from experience, from parents. They come from a variety of different places. And remember, we're only born with two fears. Only two things will startle a newborn baby, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So all these fun little fears you've learned, you can unlearn them. And that's the thing. What fears are holding you back? That voice of fear, how much does that cost you? You have to really think about what are those triggers? What's triggering that fear? What could you do to overcome that fear? And the big one is get in and do it. I mean, fear of public speaking. I do a lot of training with CEOs and, and I hate to say politicians on persuasive presentations and be more charismatic. And fear is something everyone has to address. The difference between success and failure is that they address it. They get into it. They, they start doing it where most people just don't want to do it because they might make a mistake. They might be criticized. They might look bad. And You will. With anything you learn the first time or haven't done in a while, you might look that way, but you've got to put yourself out there. Get yourself doing it. That's a big deal. That's a major issue. And if you have a bad experience with any type of fear, get back on the horse. Get back on the saddle, as they say. For example, if a child gets attacked by a dog or they're scared by a dog, the longer you wait, that seed turns into a tree of fear. That's huge you got to get them the next day in front of a dog or a video in front of a dog. Whatever you need to do. If you had a bad public speaking experience, get back out there and do it. The longer you wait, the harder it will be to get back on track. Also, you have to think about what's going through your subconscious mind. Where did this fear come from? What's triggering it? One of my seminars, this CEO, she was full of fear. Red, blotchy, shaky. I'm like, all right, where did this come from? you got to tell me. Where did this come from? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, think about it. Come back tomorrow and let me know. And she was the first one in class that next day. She's all third grade. I'm like, whoa, okay, tell me about this. She says third grade, I was running for president. I was walking across the auditorium. The whole auditorium was filled with third graders. I had my speech all ready to go. I had practiced it. She tripped and fell, papers everywhere. Of course, they all laughed. That's what kids do. That's what adults do. They all laughed, papers everywhere, out of order, and she just felt she did a good job. And so when she speaks now, all those fears and emotions that happened in that moment start replaying. I said, you got to revisualize it. You have to give it a different meaning. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, sit down, close your eyes. Pretend you're an adult watching yourself as a third grader going across that auditorium. So she's sitting in the auditorium watching herself, going in the past. She sees herself trip, papers everywhere, and everyone laughs. She kind of smiles too. That is funny. And it was enough to change the meaning and so there's a variety of things we could do with fear. We could spend all day on fear, but think about what's that number one fear that's holding you back? Reprogram your brain, get yourself doing it. When you hear things like, Well, I gotta get all my ducks in a row, I gotta learn more, I don't have a college degree, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good with people, I've gotta learn more about persuasion. That's all fear talking. If you're saying things like that to yourself, you got some fear to deal with, and that's a big thing that's holding you back. Cause that fear triggers procrastination. It's an excuse not to perform. It's a state of avoidance. It's a fear of success. You're postponing an important event, and that comes down to: Are you looking at your future as a threat or a challenge? You know, set your priorities. Take a look at things. Take the motto of ready, fire, aim. Yes, that's in the right order. Cause too many people, oh, I got to learn more, got to learn more, and they spend all their time aiming. They never fire. Fire, so what? You miss a little bit, then aim. Fire, miss a little bit, then aim, and you're going to get it done. I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. He says, in the moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. If you've read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, who interviewed countless millionaires, he said, indecision a thief of opportunity. Making quicker decisions. Stopping the procrastination. Addressing your fear. Getting past that loser's limp. Like, Kurt, what's a loser's limp? Well, that's your pre-excuse for failure. You're like, what do you mean? For example, I ran a half marathon about um, three, four weeks ago. And as you listen to people talking before the race or some energy, but some people are like, oh, I don't know. I haven't exercised that much. And my knee's been hurting. And I had that big meal last night. And I didn't get enough sleep. We'll just see how it goes. I'll, I'll hopefully finish. I'll try to finish. They haven't even started the race, and they've given themselves an excuse it's okay to fail. That destroys people. That destroys your mind. That's a huge break of success. We see in the animal kingdom, frogs will jump two to three feet, but you put them in a small aquarium where they can only jump 12 inches, they start jumping 12 inches because that's all they can do. You let them out of the aquarium, they still only jump 12 inches. You put fleas in a jar, fleas can jump, what, 13 inches, and they hit the top of the jar because it has a lid on it, And they don't like that, so they keep jumping till right before the lid. And you take the lid off, and they'll never escape because they'll just keep jumping right before the lid. I can give you countless examples. What is your loser's look? What is your excuse for failure before you've even tried? Our brain likes to make sure we don't get hurt feelings or emotions or fail, but you're failing anyway. If you're giving yourself a pre-excuse for failure, you're failing anyway. That is also another break of success. And final one that destroys people is lack of self-discipline. Lack of self-discipline erodes your self-esteem. Whether it's getting up early or exercising or cleaning that closet or cleaning the garage. In life, as my early mentor Jim Rohn says, you're going to have discipline or disappointment. Because the reality is the way you do the small things, the way you do big things... You're wondering what's taken so long to have a successful business, to be a successful author, a successful speaker, to be a millionaire. You can't have the big things until you do the small things. If you can't keep your word to yourself, your word to others, on the small things, you're not going to get to the big things. Your subconscious mind won't let you. Start on the small things this week. Work on your self-discipline. Make it happen. If you want to get up at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., walk 20 minutes a day, read five pages a day, Listen to more podcasts like Maximize Your Influence, whatever it is. Think about your character, yourself, disciplined, keeping your promises, the small things. I guarantee if you can't do those small things, if you can't keep those promises to yourself, it's going to erode that self-esteem. It's going to destroy your happiness. It's going to suck the life out of your soul. And you're always going to be disappointed. So if you want the big things, good for you. Dream and dream big. As Henry David Thoreau says, hey, you've put castles in the air. You know, good for you. Now put a foundation under it. That's what we're talking about today. That foundation and self-discipline is huge. And people don't see that correlation of not getting the big things because you're not doing the small things. So if you say you're going to be there at three, you're there at three. If you're going to get it done at Friday noon, you get it done Friday at noon. If you're going to start exercising 20 minutes a day, do it. If you're going to spend 10 minutes a day cleaning that garage or that drawer, whatever you need to do, Do the small things so you can get the big things. That's you on the inside. Because as I talk about in charisma training, if you're not charismatic on the inside, you can't be charismatic on the outside. If you can't influence yourself, you can't influence other people. These are the laws of the universe and it makes a big difference in your success. If you want to know more about self-discipline and how it's like a battery and some of the interesting new studies, go to the Archives podcast 237 where take a deep dive into self-discipline and how that affects trust and how other people perceive you. And those archives are available for free at influenceuniversity.com. So Bob You get a membership to InfluenceUniversity.com. Hopefully that answers your question. Thanks for writing in. Again, that's at Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So think about those things this week. Self-persuasion is bigger than anything, more important than anything, because without that, you don't have the foundation for success or even persuasion. So think about your fears. Keep your commitment to yourself and others. Overcome that procrastination And you'll see amazing things happen in your life. Those simple things, those small things could lead and will lead to bigger things. So do that this week. Master these skills. Become a student of influence and go out and persuade with power.